No, you're good. I love you, man. Absolutely. Hey, kiddos, if you are in here, uh, you are dismissed. We love you, but peace out. Mom and dad want a break. So get out. Yes, thank you. Yes, amen. Peace, littles. Yes, so glad. No, hey, uh, we love all the little children of the world. Um, we just don't like them in church right now. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Mom and dad is like, you're not kidding. You're thrilled. Uh, but no, hey, we're excited this morning. Uh, in case you don't know, I am uh, Stevie. I'm one of the associates here, and I am so stoked to be able to share with you this morning. It's all because uh, Pastor Stan and Chris opened the pulpit to me, so I'm very appreciative of them. Um, Pastor, not because you're my boss, but as my friend, I love you and I care about you so much. I'm trying to get brownie points, see if I can get an extra day off. Uh, so what else can I say? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, I, I love this man, his integrity and his heart. Uh, to see Jesus do something here in CUNA is um, it, it's very intoxicating uh, in a good way, uh, but it's, it's exciting. It's, you can sense his desire, and we're going to talk about today, his passion for the city. Um, and so I'm excited to be able to share with you today along those same lines along what God has called us to uh, in this world. So we're gonna dive into it here. We're gonna have some fun, uh, but just on behalf of, from me, pastor, I love and appreciate you. Thank you so much for the opportunity uh, this morning. Uh, I was also laughing back here because we called audibles and people came forward without a microphone. Uh, in our new building, thank God, um, you're, you're gonna need a microphone. It's just, like we can hear you in here, but over there, no, it ain't gonna happen. So I'm excited for the future. God's doing some amazing and great things. Um, and we're just along for the ride. So we're going to hang out. My iPad just shut off. There it goes. Okay. Um, but Pastor started a new series called Determined, and he's asked me to kind of jump in this week and share some of my thoughts from Philippians chapter 1. Uh, so he did verses 1 through 11. I'm going to take 12 through the end of the chapter. Um, so as long as you are good with not going to lunch today, um, we'll be here all day. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, right? Uh, no, I'm, I'm excited. We're going to share, and, and we're just continuing along the same lines. We're going to pick up right where Pastor left off uh, in verse 12, and we're going to dive into it. But in case you weren't here last week, I wanted to give a little bit of um, uh, background on the book or the letter of Philippians so that we're just all in the same starting level field, and we all understand this book a little bit. Context and the Bible is huge. You cannot have one without the other. So uh, in the Bible, the, the book of Philippians is, is originally a letter written by Paul, he was an apostle, and he wrote a majority of the books of the New Testament. So when you're flipping through your New Testament, a lot of them were written by Paul. Uh, he was like leading apostle of the day. Everybody knew Paul. He was a big deal. Um, he was very humble, but he was very well known because of what he did for Jesus. And he actually wrote this book while in prison. Not just in prison, but while attached to chains. Chains around his wrists, probably potentially around his ankles. He was in jail and chained. We're going to get into this a little bit later. He was chained to a guard at all times. All right. So he didn't do anything without a guard being right there attached to his hip. Okay. He did everything with a guard right there chained to him. Uh, he also wrote this letter, this book, the same time that he wrote the book of Ephesians and Colossians. Those are right there next to um, Philippians on either side of it. And also the book of Philemon which is a really like one chapter book right before Revelation and, and like Doomsday, Philemon's right there, right? And so uh, Paul wrote those books and all three of those books deal with something different than this book does. All three of those books, Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon, are giving teaching or instruction to someone because they're potentially doing the wrong thing 
or they're about to be instructed on how to handle a situation that is coming their way. And so Paul is trying to address them and say, hey, you got to correct this, you got to fix this, and when this happens, make sure that you show Christian love. However, the book of Philippians doesn't deal with any of that. The book of Philippians simply deals with a expression from Paul to the church in Philippi. That was the city. That's why it's called Philippians. And he, he wrote them a letter just saying, thank you. That's basically what he's doing. He, he's expressing his gratitude. He's expressing his joy because this church actually sent him a huge offering and saying, hey, go keep preaching Jesus and here's some money to go do so, right? And so he's actually saying, hey, thank you. And then in the midst of that, He's providing some really good, healthy Christian teaching on just our lifestyle, which we'll get into in chapter two. Uh, and, he, and he's exposing uh, his passion, really is what chapter one is what we're gonna see today, is what he's doing. So he's just encouraging them and saying thank you. That's what this letter is founded on. It's founded in, in, on joy, and it's known as the happiest book of the Bible. And so that is the, the level playing ground that we're on today. So just so we're all on the same page, and the first part we're going to look at, like I said, we're going to pick up right where Pastor Stan left off last week in verse 12. It says this, now I want you to know that my circumstances, i.e. me being in jail, all right, have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. So that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. And that most of the believers trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. I'm gonna be transparent and open with you this morning. Uh, I have a fear. And, and I'm gonna say this fear and, and you'll probably be like, huh? Doesn't, doesn't, comp, doesn't compute, right? Uh, I have a terrible stage fright. Uh, I hate being on a platform. I hate being in front of people. And just right now, even addressing it and knowing that everyone's looking at me and knowing that it's being streamed on Facebook to God knows where <laughs> makes me go, oh, Right? I, I can't stand the stage. I'm terrified of it. Um, Saturdays for me, on, uh, like when I know that I'm gonna preach on a Sunday, Saturday is like a rough day for Stevie Nicks. Like it's just like, uh, like not because I'm mad or I'm angry. It's nothing like that. It's just, I just, I'm nervous. I, I'm, I'm scared. I, I don't wanna get up here and say something stupid. I'm really, really good at that. Um, and then like I'm sitting here playing guitar and I'm watching them pull up more chairs. I'm like, great, more people I can embarrass myself in front of. And so that's literally what I'm thinking. So like right now, my stomach is kind of like turning. Uh, my palms are sweaty. These weak arms are heavy. Mom's spaghetti. But on the nervous, I look calm and ready. I, I know. If you know that song, you're my homie. Um, but I, all I'm saying is that I, I just don't like the stage. But, but I have a problem with my fear. I love to preach about Jesus. And so I have this, pro I got this fear, but I, I got a problem with my fear. And so... Fast forward uh, into, or not fast forward, rewind, sorry, <laughs> sixth grade. The first time I ever got in front of a classroom because I did homeschooling, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not weird. We just did homeschooling, okay? So, I'm just putting it out there, okay? My mom didn't like us going to school. She just said, you're homeschooling. Okay, whatever. So I, I was homeschooling. So in sixth grade, though, I was in public school. And uh, the teacher told us, hey, you guys are going to graduation. Uh, that's just promotion into middle school. They just wanted to make it feel good. It's graduation, right? And so we went through our promotion. And so what they said is, hey, um, every student needs to prepare a speech. And the class as a whole is going to compete against each other. And the person who gives the best speech is going to present it at graduation. Um, the fear and anxiety that came over me in that moment was completely overwhelming. I, uh, I was terrified. And so this was like a two-page speech. Like it was nothing. It's probably even double-spaced times in Roman 12 font, okay? So 
I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, I do not wanna do this, this is terrible. Sure enough, I have to get up and I, and I have to give this speech. And so I get up on the platform or the, you know, in front of the, the class at the podium, you know, four foot, three inches of me, I'm, I'm like all there. And uh, I start crying because I am so nervous and so anxious and so scared of the situation that I start crying. I, I blame homeschool, but whatever, it's, I'm scared, okay? And, and I, all these eyes are looking at me and I look, no one wants to cry at school, right? I tell my kids all the time, like if you get hurt at school, don't cry, okay? When you get in the car with me, then you can cry, but don't cry at school, right? Nobody wants to cry at school. And then you cry in sixth grade. It's like, wow, dude, you got some emotional issues. And then not only that, but then you cry in front of the class in sixth grade. My life hit rock bottom that day and <laughs> just kidding. Like it was just terrible. Like it was, it was one of the worst experiences of my life. And then not only that, but it stuck with me. And so throughout junior high and high school, I'd always try to avoid giving any type of speech in class. I would always avoid the stage or being in front of people because why? I, I, I don't really like it, just being honest. I, I just, I'm scared of it. I, I get nervous. And so now fast forward, now I can fast forward. I'm in, I'm in college. I'm at the Fivefold Academy Bible College in Minnesota. And man, I am excited about Bible college. The only caveat to that is that if you're gonna be a pastor, you have to get in front of people. And so I, I know this, but I'm not really like thinking that part through. And so it was a Monday morning. I think I was 17 at the time. So this is a few years later. And I'm sitting there and, the, and our professor gets up and he says, hey, uh, it's Monday. You guys have until Friday to prepare an eight minute sermon. Eight minutes. It's all it was, eight minutes. And I'm like, oh gosh, no. Like, don't tell me I have to preach it. Like, can I just hand it to you and you can preach it? Like, I don't care, right? That'd be fine. Like, here it all is. I'll give it to you word for word. There you go, buddy. Um, and so he's like, no, you have to get up and you're going to preach for eight minutes on a sermon. And so uh, I prepared a sermon and I get up there and my palms are sweaty and I'm nervous. And I'm like, I can't do this. Like, this is terrible. But I got up that day and something clicked. It, it was different because I, I knew going into that moment, I said, God, this might be a sermon to a whole bunch of Christian college-age students who are trying to be pastors, so it's not like I need to give an altar call here. There's no pressure. However, it's still for you because it's your word. And so I got up there and said, God, if this is, if this is it, then you better do something here like totally miraculously uh, to get rid of this fear. Well, he didn't take the fear away, but he allowed me to find a comfort in the fear. A comfort of, hey, you know what? This, this is what I'm called to. This is where I'm supposed to lead or, or supposed to go in my, in my life, in my direction. You're supposed to go this way. It's like in that moment, I, I got off the platform that day and yes, I was still nervous. My stomach was still turning, um, but I, I didn't cry in college in front of people. Uh, I, I left the platform with a confidence. With a, yeah, I'm, I'm still scared. I'm, yeah, I'm still nervous, but yeah, I, I feel good about that because it wasn't about me. It wasn't about my ability. It was about Jesus. And, and in that moment, I remember I sat back down in my chair and I was waiting for the teacher to be like, blasphemy, right? I was waiting for it. Didn't happen. Thank God. Uh, but in that moment, I, I felt like God was just like, I've called you to what you fear. And, and what I've learned is that when God calls you to something or he inspires you to something, the enemy's response is going to be fear. So you've experienced fear. You've experienced that anxiety that I'm talking about, maybe not with the speech, but maybe with something else, and you're nervous about stepping forward. God has called you to step forward. And the enemy's response to get you to stop is fear, right? That's what he's trying to do is get you to stop. Look at COVID and look at the fear that has come on people. Now, regardless of your situation and what you say about COVID, it is real, okay? That, that's the fact. It is a reality, okay? 
Um, now, I, I don't care about your personal opinions on this, but I saw fear lock down the world. And you did too. You saw what happened when a little bit of fear thrown in, potentially exaggerated, potentially not. Like I said, it's not about personal opinion on this. What, what the reality is, is fear stopped everything. And so I've seen that happen globally. We've seen this happen now. And that's what God is saying is that fear should not stop you because I've called you to that which you fear. I've called you to solve the problem. You fear that? I'm calling you to it. You're scared of it? You have anxiety about it? You're insecure about it? Well, I've called you to it. That's basically what God is saying to us. He's called us to what we fear. He called us to solve the issue of what we fight and and what we're afraid of, right? I got to fast forward in my notes because I'm getting ahead of myself. But but what, what I've seen this is that we cannot allow our fear or our problem to do this. It cannot dictate our passion. It cannot dictate our passion anymore. Because the moment we allow fear and insecurity to dictate what I'm passionate about, I no longer have passion. I am now just a slump walking. And I have no unction in life. I have no commission in life. I have no direction in life. Passion is what gives us all of that. Passion is what urges us to move forward. And Paul, as we see here, he's in prison. But not just is he in prison, he writes the happiest book of the Bible in prison. He's excited to be in prison. Why? He had a new opportunity. People that he never got to preach to, he gets to preach to now. Right? He's sitting there in prison. He's excited about it. He says this. He says, everything that has happened to me has helped the gospel to go forward. He's excited about being in prison. I don't know if you've ever been to prison before. I don't think there's anything too exciting about it. I've done a couple services in like juvenile halls to go meet with uh, students and, and preach in there. It was totally awesome. But I wouldn't want to live in there. I, I, it was definitely like, I'm going to visit. <laughs> I do not want to stay. Paul was like, no, dude, give me a sleeping bag. I'm going in. But he was excited about it. He had an opportunity ahead of him. You see, what I've learned is this, is that everyone wants a miracle, but nobody wants the circumstance that requires one. Right? Everyone's like, oh man, I really want God to move and I really want God to do something. But I'm just gonna sit right here. And I'm gonna wait for God to do something cool. No, that's not the Christian life. That's not what God has called you and I to. He's called us to the prison. He's called us to the highways and the byways. He's called us to those crazy places that you might be afraid of. But we're called there. We're called to it. And passion should be the thing in our hearts that is pushing us forward. So Paul's in prison for preaching. So what does he do when he gets in prison? He preaches. All right? They did prison a little differently back then. All right? He was with the Praetorian Guard, as, as uh, Philippians tells us. The Praetorian Guard, they were kind of like the Roman CIA. They were like the elite FBI, all right? Those super cool dudes. They probably had like a pen that like had a sword in it. I don't know, okay? Cool stuff, man. Cool stuff, right? They had all the the high-tech gear. They were like the palace guards. They were big, big deal when it came to the guards, okay? And so Paul is with them, and they did prison, like I said, differently. You see, at six hours at a time, he would be chained to another guard. He, he, He hip and hip. Everywhere he went, a guard went. Everywhere a guard went, he went. Like, he had no choice. And so Paul, who is passionate about preaching Jesus, what do you think Paul did for those six hours? He preached. Man, oh oh my gosh, if I was one of those guards, I'd be like, please, officer, don't ever put me on guard duty with Paul again. All he did was talk about Jesus. That's all he did. Constantly. Can you imagine being locked up to the leading apostle of the time, right? (laughs) 
That'd be amazing, right? No, you're like, no, that sounds terrible. It actually kind of does. There's just times I just want to go to Burger King by myself, right? So, but we're sitting here and, and Paul's chained up. He, he has nowhere to go. And so what does he do? He does what he's passionate about. He does what he's called to. And he preaches Jesus in the midst of a time when he should just be sitting there, bored, lost all of his drive in life. No, he didn't allow any of that to happen. Instead, he said, I'm gonna capitalize on the moment. My, see, what he said is that my situation doesn't, cha- doesn't change my calling. My calling actually invades my situation. No matter what my situation is, I'm going to follow the call that God has put on my life. And I don't care if I'm in prison. I don't care if I'm in the Hilton. I'm going to preach Jesus. They didn't have a Hilton back then, but it's not an argument for another time, okay? He wanted to preach Jesus. It says that all of the guards knew he was in jail because of Jesus. Not some of the guards knew. No, every single guard had to go through the torture of six hours with Paul, right? It was probably a thing like a tally mark. How many times have you been with Paul, <laughs> right? They probably had a bets going, I don't know, but Paul preached Jesus in prison. That tells me that right there, that passion is not contained. You can't put passion in chains. You can't put passion in prison. It's not tangible. It's not something you could capture and release when you want. Passion is like a momentum of your heart. Passion doesn't come from substance. It comes from an inward substance. It comes from the spirit. It comes from God inside of us. You see, passion is determined by the heart. I, I, I understand this right here. That I can be a loud person, right? I, I know that. Thank you. Exactly, right? I, I know I have a bigger personality than some people, but big personality doesn't mean passion. It, it, personality has nothing to do with passion, and passion has nothing to do with personality. You see, I've met people who are quiet who have so much passion. I don't know if she's here right now, but I saw her this morning, Grace. If you know Grace, she is a wonderful, wonderful lady, and she actually prepares the building to be clean for all of us to come in and celebrate Jesus every week. And so she's an, she's an amazing person, amazing person. I, I remember I, I walked in, it was like my first week here at the office. I come walking in the door, and she's got some, some music back there, like, you know, he's a good, good father. That's why I don't sing. And so... She's back there and she's like scrubbing something down, cleaning the table or something. And I knew her name because Pastor Tina told me, hey, you know, Grace is, is there and she's cleaning. So I was like, oh, cool. So I walk in, I was like, hey, Grace, what's up? And she's like, oh, hi. And I was like, whoa, okay, I got to tone it down. Like quite a few notches here. Like, okay, <laughs> wow, my bad. I was like, hi, Grace, how are you doing today? Like I had to really tone it down because I, now I'm loud. I'm obnoxious, ask my wife. And so... Uh, she says, preach. Wow. Well, God bless you guys. Have a great day. Uh, so I'm sitting there and, and I scream and I yell, I'm like, Grace, how's it going? And so I toned it down a little bit and I went up and I, I shook her hand, COVID. And so I was like, hey, Grace, it's nice to meet you. I'm Stevie. Um, and just had a, a small, tiny conversation. But I walked away and I was like, wow, like she's silent, but she's deadly. Like she has a passion in her And I knew that before I knew what I'm about to tell you, but I I was like, she loves Jesus. Like I can just tell by being in proximity with her, she loves Jesus. I found out the next like couple days that she actually prays and prays for our, our, our church, prays for like, she is an intercessor. She is getting after it in the spirit realm. And when, when pastor Stan told me that, I was like, well, yeah, that's obvious. Like, oh my gosh, like she is passionate, but she's also very quiet. See, passion is not a personality trait. Passion is the matter of the heart. 
And see, I, I know people who are loud and obnoxious like me, who you can't get off their butt to do anything. They have no drive. They have nothing pushing them forward. They just know how to be loud, right? That's all they know how to do. And I don't, if you're like that, kick yourself in the butt and let's go. Let's move forward, okay? All right, but nothing, no, don't feel bad about it. Let's just go. Let's do this thing, right? But passion is going to be moved forward because passion is not contained. I don't care if you're a loud person or if you're a quiet person. It's not a personality trait. It's a heart issue. Do I have passion inside of me? Let me explain it to you this way. I have a couple passions, okay? I'm gonna, I'm gonna just totally wrap myself out here. Um, your boy, I love tacos. Like, thank you. Yes, oh my gosh, it's 1993. Okay, so I love tacos. But you know what else I love? I love fried chicken. You give me fried chicken on the worst day, it has become the best day of my life. Like, I love fried chicken. Now look, up here, I know that we're all somewhat familiar. If you haven't been here yet, you do gotta go, okay? Um, Chick-fil-A, okay? I know it's good, right? I, I know it's like, oh wow, Chick-fil-A is really good. Like Chick-fil-A sauce, it's terrible, but people like it, I don't know. But Chick-fil-A is good. But I'm gonna tell you something right now. It is not Raisin Cane's, all right? Raisin Cane's will be served at the marriage supper of the lamb in heaven, okay? They got this dipping sauce. Oh my, it's not dipping sauce, it's dipping sauce, okay? It is so good. It is absolutely amazing. You're like, if you eat this sauce, you will slap your wife and be like, why have you not been making this? I'm just kidding. Don't slap your wife. That is bad Christian teaching. But they have this sauce there. And I, and I learned about this place because we lived in LA. And while we were in LA, a little thing called quarantine happened. And uh, we were in LA for eight months in quarantine, okay? Or seven months, whatever it was. A terrible, terrible experience. But we're in, we're in quarantine. And uh, anybody have a, uh, an iPhone? Anybody have an iPhone? Awesome. Uh, just make sure it's, it's silented right now. I'm just kidding. <laughs> right. But uh, my iPhone, it remembers where I go. It's tracking me. Uncle Sam, you guys all know this, right? So uh, I get in my car one day during quarantine, and my phone picked up on a habit. My phone picked up on a direction that I go often, raising canes. I get in my car and I get a notification on my phone. I put it up on the little holder, right? Because texting and driving is illegal. And so I put it up on the little holder and I turn my car on and it goes, ding. It says, Raising Cane's five minutes away. And I was like, okay, obviously I have an issue that at 5.30 on any given night, my phone thinks you're going to Raising Cane's. You see, what happened is my phone is giving me your intended direction. He say, oh, this is where you intend to go. It's your habit at five o'clock on a Monday. You are going to Raisin Cane's. It does the same when I get in the car just from my house, which is like an eighth of a mile away. And it says, Change Life Church is one minute away, right? Like, not because I need directions here. My phone picks up on my habit of I show up to the office around 8.30, 8.45 in the morning, whatever time it is, when I get the kids dropped off and I head here, it's, my phone just tells me, you're this far away from where you're trying to go. It, it picks up on it. I, I think we have intended directions in our life and our passion should be giving us intended direction. It should be telling us, hey, this is who you are. This is your habit. Here's the direction you wanna go then. That's passion. That's what passion does to us. It comes up from our heart and says, you're going this way. This is where you want to go right now. This is where you intend to go, right? You are in the car. You're ready to move. You're going this way, right? Passion should be that for us. Paul has passion. Paul is here, he's in prison, and he's going to preach Jesus, and prison is not going to stop him. He's not going to hold back. He's not going to relent. He's not going to do anything other than pursue his passion. He knew he had a calling on his life. And in the midst of that, he said, I'm going to allow my heart to come on fire for this calling, passion. I'm going to let my life relentlessly pursue this 
calling, right? So much so that, let's read it right here. People were trying to come against Paul while he's in prison. Check it out. Philippians chapter one, 15 through 18, just continuing on in the verses. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ from envy and strife, but some from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. It says this, the former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, rather than pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, Christ is proclaimed. And in this, I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. I said at the beginning, I'm, I'm a big fan of context. And I, I know we, many of us have probably been to like Hobby Lobby, right? And you've seen like wall art, you know, the, a distressed piece of wood, right? Who would have known, right? And you write a cool sentence on it. It's like, wow, it's pretty. Put it in the kitchen, right? So I, I was at Hobby Lobby and I've seen this. I think Kristen and I even had this in our house one time. And it said, yes, I will rejoice. And, and when I look at this scripture, then when I look at that piece of art, I go, that's, that's cool. Like the art is like, yeah, I'm gonna rejoice and I wanna be a happy person. But Paul wasn't just saying, hey, rejoice, just be happy. That's not, that's not at all what Paul was saying. Let, let's look at the context of this. What he's saying is this is, Jesus is being preached. And because Jesus is being preached, I'm going to rejoice. My calling, my passion is happening regardless if I'm in prison or I'm I'm walking as a free man. Jesus is being preached. That's all that matters to me. And so he's excited. And people are trying to like steal his, his leading role as like Mr. Apostle. People wanted the attention for themselves. And they're saying, hey, uh, if Paul's in there, you guys can come follow me. And Actually, Paul addresses this whole issue in 1 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter one. And people are saying, hey, I'm of Apollos. I'm of Paul. I'm of this guy. No, but Paul is like, no, we're all just disciples of Jesus. We're all just following him. It doesn't matter who got you saved. It doesn't matter who's teaching you. What matters is, are you following Jesus or not? And that's what Paul is even noting here in Philippians. He's saying, hey, look, some of them are trying to take my attention. He goes, I'm not in this for attention. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be a follower of Jesus, is what he actually says in another scripture. He goes, if I wanted to please people, I'd be a comedian. I don't want to do that. I want to preach Jesus. I don't care for people's approval. And so while people are trying to steal his role as like Mr. Apostle, maybe they were trying to get some books in the New Testament too, I don't know, right? But they're trying to steal it from him and he's like, I don't care. Are they preaching Jesus? Works for me. Have fun, man. I'm gonna go over here with the people who do like me and I'm just gonna continue with them. But man, do your thing. Go preach Jesus. He was excited about it. So he, he's encountered this problem and people are trying to steal his, his fame, but his response is one of humility and it's one of just passion. I don't care. Jesus is preached, so I will rejoice. Yes, I say it again, I will rejoice. I don't care for a title. I don't care for attention. I wanna preach Jesus. That's all he cares about. That's it. He says, I don't care about my location. I don't care about my situation. I don't care about the problem. I'm going to preach Jesus regardless. The great news that I have for all of us today is that you and I, all of us, have a calling. We're all called to something. And and I'm going to be really shoot it to you straight this morning. I get really sick and tired when people are like, oh, you need to figure out what you're called to. It drives me crazy. As a youth pastor, it drove me crazy because the students would come to me and say, you know, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do with my life. And, and, and I love basics. Like elementary school is awesome because you learn the basics, right? Like if you never learn the basics of two plus two is 14, then you'll never know, right? I'm just kidding. Then you'll never be able to do algebra, right? You have to learn the basics to do what you have to do later. And so I wanna, I wanna show you, I don't need to be a prophet to tell you what you're called to. I can tell you right now what every single one of us are called to. 
we're called to preach Jesus. There's nothing else. Like we get really sidetracked and figuring things out, but if we would be faithful in the little that God has given us, he's gonna give us much to be faithful with later. We need to preach Jesus. There's no other thing. Jesus was on the earth and he was about to go into heaven and say, hey, in the way that you see him leave, he's coming back, that whole situation right there in Matthew 24, that whole situation right there. Jesus says, go make disciples of the nations. Go into the highways and the byways and preach the gospel. You see, when I first got saved, I didn't know what to do with my life. I was 17 years old. I didn't have no clue what to do. I was like, well, I'm saved now. I'm working in and out. Fellow Californians, holla at your boy. And so I'm there and, and I was like, I don't know what to do. So I had, I had a friend at, at in and out and I was like, you know, Jesus, <laughs> I think it was that awkward. No joke, right? But he ended up getting saved and then he had some friends that worked in and out. So they all started talking and we all started going to church together and we had like a little mini revival. We're all speaking in tongues while we're like getting the lettuce prepped for the hamburgers, right? Like it was awesome. Like it was, it was amazing, right? But it, had, it wasn't because of me. It was just, I just, you know, Jesus, like that's where I'm supposed to start. That's, that's block number one. <laughs> do you know Jesus right there? Okay, let's do this thing. Here we go. I didn't know what was next. I had no idea that I'd moved to Minnesota and I'd lived there for three years and go through Bible college and get to tour and get to see some really cool things across America. I had no idea that one day I'd be able to preach the gospel in Africa. I had no idea that in 2019, I'd be able to go to Athens and work with the refugees coming out of Syria. I had no clue of any of that. In that moment, I was 17 working in and out. Preach Jesus. Okay, I can do that. I, 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 can, I can be a light. Why not? Like how... How do I do that? I just live my life like what I believe. Okay, sounds good. And that's what I did. I just started at block number one. And so some of us right now, maybe you're, you're a high schooler or whatever it may be, start at block number one. You're in college, start at block number one. You're, you're 65 years old, start at block number one. You'll never outgrow block number one. Jesus said, here's what I need from you. The great commission, go preach the gospel. Nothing more, nothing less. Go preach Jesus. Now look, for you, it might look different. You might ha not have a cool black three-foot platform, right, or a microphone that shoots through speakers. But maybe your platform is where you work. Maybe it's the Albertsons that you shop at. Maybe it's the neighborhood that you live in. And maybe your microphone is the relationships that you have with the people around you. So it might look different, but it's the same goal. Preach Jesus. It's about him. It's his message. It's his word. Since when did the gospel ever become about me? It never was about me. It's always about how good he is and how much he loves us. That is the gospel in a nutshell. And what, here's what God needs from you and I. He needs our work ethic and he needs our passion. He says, I need you to work hard and I need you to love tirelessly. I need you to have a passion in your heart to just go preach the gospel. You and I are called to preach the same sermon. See, as a pastor, I said this first service, as a pastor, it, it's nerve wracking to come up with a sermon when you get stuck in this rut thinking I need to impress the people. It's very easy, trust me, it is very easy to think of a sermon and go, wow, I wonder if they've ever heard that before. It's very easy. No, I will never outgrow my need for block number one. Stay on Jesus. They don't need a 12-step program, they need Jesus. And that's where we should build our lives. Block number one, start there and give it all of my work ethic and give it all of my heart full of passion. That is what we're all called to. Your sermon is no different than mine. You might have different, a different story, a different background than me, and that's part of your story. That's part of how you're to share it. But we're all called to preach the same gospel, that he loves us, he died for us, 
that he rose for us and there is an empty tomb where the God of the universe once laid. And that is the message that you and I are to share. Philippians chapter one, continuing on here, how do we do this? 27 and then 29 through 30 says this, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether I come to see you or remain absent, I will hear that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. For to you, it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. Experience the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. We are the light shining in the dark. We are the ones who are to invade the darkest of dark areas, the places that we fear we are called to invade. We're called to those places and we're to bring the light of Jesus to any darkness around us. Not to be rude, but to live our lives like we say we believe. To say, I believe the gospel and my life will show that I believe the gospel. Actually, the Latin word for belief is broken up in two parts, be and leave. And it basically just means this, what you say you believe is what you're actually doing, right? Like right now, if I said, hey, if uh, in 10 seconds, the roof is gonna collapse. If you really believe me, you would not be sitting down. Why are you guys sitting down? Like, I'm just kidding. But if you really believed it, you would get out. Belief causes action. And that's what the Latin word of believe actually means. It means action according to my thoughts, according to what I believe. That's what Jesus is saying. That's what Paul is saying. If we believe, I should live in a manner worthy of the gospel to show that my life lines up with what I say I believe. I love what Pastor Stan said on Wednesday. He said it, and I was like, uh, hold on. I put the notes aside. I was like, I got to write that down because that goes perfect with this. On Wednesday, Pastor Stan said this. Not everybody is going to understand your obedience to God. That is so true. We, we live in, in a world of craziness and not everyone's gonna understand why I live or why you live a certain way, why we do certain things. People are not gonna understand that, but that doesn't make anything wrong. It just means they don't understand. But we need to still continue to say, I believe this and I'm still gonna do it. I don't care if I get ridiculed. I don't care if I get put in prison. I don't care if I'm attacked for it. I don't care if I encounter problems for it. I'm gonna be like Paul and I'm gonna preach Jesus no matter what. And that's what we are all called to do, preach Jesus. Bible even says, be ready in season and out of season. Be ready at all times. Make a defense for the gospel. Be there, right? Not perfection, but a progression in this, right? Living in a manner worthy of the call, saying, hey, you know what? I'm not perfect, but thank God that he is, and I'm gonna live my life in progression of this, saying I'm gonna do my best every single day with the power of the Holy Spirit to live in a way that pleases God and that lines up with what I say I believe. The only problem is that when we have a passion, when we have a call in on our lives, uh, we, we encounter problems. The, the problem is the problem, right? We, we encounter various things. But look, until you're in prison like Paul, preach Jesus. And then when you're in prison for preaching Jesus, like, take a lesson from Paul and continue to preach Jesus. You see, I love that because the circumstances doesn't change anything. I don't care where I'm at. Paul's like, man, I, I don't care where I'm at. I'm gonna preach Jesus. There, it's in the book of Acts, you can see he just like, would walk up to like a street corner and be like, yo, Jesus loves you. Not the crazy dude in New York, okay? Not that guy. But he would preach Jesus right there. He would go to where the people are and he would preach Jesus. But he had a passion. So my question for all of us today is where and what is your passion? Where, where is it? What is it on? All we need to do is awaken the passion inside of us to fulfill what God has called you and I individually to. Where do I start? Block number one, just preach Jesus. Wherever you are. And then the door's gonna open and you won't even realize it's a door because you're just living your life trying to fulfill block number one. 
and you're gonna step into a new realm and a new area and a new territory and a new thing. And you're like, whoa, how'd I get here? Oh, well, block number one. And just stay there. Just keep on preaching Jesus no matter where or who you are with. Revive the call that God has put on your life and be determined to see it through. Don't let prison stop you. Don't, no one's in prison, I know that, but, but don't let the problem stop you. If we allowed problems to stop us, the human race, we'd all still be living like it's the Stone Age, right? No, problems are what cause people to think up solutions and find a new way and say, hey, let's do this, and they resolve the problem, right? Thank God that they resolved the problem of, of uh, the cold water so you can take a hot bath or a hot shower, especially here in Idaho. It's freezing, man. It's cold, right? <laughs> We, we needed the problem solved. Thank God someone thought about it. I was like, hey, what if you put fire under the water? This is awesome, right? And they, they made hot water. It's amazing, right? But we have, to, we have to be dead set on it when it comes to the call of God on my life. No prison is going to stop me. The problem isn't going to shut me up. It's going to take death to stop me. That should be our attitude. As the worship team comes up, and if you're getting baptized today, go get ready because we are about to dunk you under the water. It's going to be awesome. So if you're getting ready, go, go get ready now. The worst team, you can join me up here, but we have to have that fortitude inside of us that says, you know what? It's gonna take death to stop me. But then you look at Paul's words right here in chapter one. Chapter one, verse 21, I put a little typo up there, I'm sorry, but it says this, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. What's he saying? He's like, I've got life or I've got more life. Take your pick. Which one one do I want? Do I wanna live or do I wanna live? (laughs) He's saying, because even in death, we have nothing but victory. And, and so we need to be people who say, you know what? My passion is going to push me forward regardless. And the only thing that's going to stop me is death. And when I reach that point, man, that's victory. That's the finish line. That's where I'm now in heaven. I have my intended def- destination right there. I'm in heaven seeking after him. Take your pick. Do you want life or do you want more life? It's, it's your choice this morning, right? If I would have allowed that sixth grade moment of crying in front of the class become my notification of intended direction, right? I I, I can guarantee you this. I don't know where I'd be, but I I wouldn't be here. And I certainly wouldn't have the joy that I've experienced from facing that fear, right? But no, instead I allowed the passion in my heart to say, no, I I believe God has called me to this and I'm going to seek that out. You see, it's it's crazy because we, we look at pastors and we think, oh man, you're a pastor, so... You prepare so much for this. Well, really the platform and, and being here this moment right now, this is like 5% of what pastors do. It's just, it's not a whole lot. Like, yeah, there's preparation and all these things in it, but there's a whole lot of stuff that happens. There's 95% of the time a pastor is not on the stage. There's a whole lot that goes into it behind the scenes and, and that's where the passion has to come from. As a pastor, I have to say that. That's where passion comes from. If I'm just excited about preaching and getting in front of people, my heart's in the wrong place. I've got to have a pure heart that says, no, if the word that I'm going to preach is not alive and active in me, then I'm unworthy to preach it. We should live in a way that is worthy to preach it, which means behind the scenes at home, how do I treat my wife? Behind the scenes at home, how do I treat my kids? Behind the scenes, when no one's with me, how am I acting? Am I living in a manner that is worthy of what I say I believe? And Paul said, you want to chain a guard to me? Cool. I'll preach, man, because I'm passionate about Jesus. What are you chained to this morning? Not in a bad way. Paul was chained to a prison guard, but he preached to him. 
What are you chained to? Who's around you? Who who are you attached to at work? Who are you attached to in your family? Because God has called you to preach to them. God has called you to minister to them. We can't put all the work on on a pastor saying, oh, no, it's the pastor's job. No, 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 no. that's our job. That we all are called to, block number one, preach the great commission. That's it. He needs our work ethic. He needs our passion. He needs you and I to step up. I was thinking about this last night and I had to change my notes last night because I was going over the sermon. I was going, oh man, like, yeah, this is it. The, the Bible refers to us basically as like soldiers. I'm a soldier in the Lord's army this way, right? The Bible refers to us as that. And, and he refers to us as foreigners in the land. We're here just temporary. We're here for a moment. And, and I was thinking about a soldier and I was thinking about what it would be like to be a soldier. I, I think of like, I, I love World War II. I love um, stories and I love the history and the greatness that came from, you know, the people of that time, not just Americans, people, heroes. I I love World War II. And I think of like Normandy. I think of those guys who stormed the beach. I think of something like that. They fought with passion, not because they wanted to kill. They fought with passion because they had a direction they wanted to go. It was home. And they knew to get home, I've got to defeat this. What's in front of you that you need to defeat for your intended direction? What is your heart bubbling up and saying, hey, yo, this is your habit. I know what this is. Here's your intended direction this way. This is where you need to go. It's it's right here. See, sixth grade, that fear could have attached itself to me and I would not be doing this today. But I had to face that thing. And I'm not saying this because I'm a hero in any way, shape or form. I have so many shortcomings and so many failures. It's ridiculous. But I did face that fear. That's one thing that I did face. And it has led me to this moment now. I'm 32 years old and I'm saying, God, I want to see what you can do through me. Not for my attention, not for what I can get out of it. I want to see Jesus preached in Cuna. That's what I want to see. So God, any way that you have use of me in that arena, let's rock. Let's go. But if I would allow the fear to give me my intended direction, I'd never be here. But I allowed the passion in my heart to be my intended direction. To pop the notification and say, okay, it's Thursday, here's your plan. Okay, it's Sunday morning, here's what's happening. This is where you want to go. Remember the goal, remember the plan. Go this way. So us in this room, I know I'm going a little late and I apologize. Us in this room, what's your heart this morning? What's your passion? Who are you chained to? Who are you around? Preach the gospel to them get on fire for that step. You say, but I don't know what's going to happen. It's okay. It doesn't matter what happens next. Your goal, your call is to preach Jesus, to be a light shining in the dark. And and we need to do that with all of our work ethic, all of our heart, all of our passion. Jesus even says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. Give it everything. So awaken the passion inside of you. Awaken the dream that you once had that you let go. I'll use this analogy as I wrap up. I was 17 years old, April 1st, 2005. And for years I had run from God. In my teenage years, I tried to be as wild and rebellious as I possibly could. Like that was my goal, like to upset my parents because they were believers. That's really, like just being honest, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted my mom to go, how in the world did my son get to that place? That, that, place? that was my goal. And I was 17 years old and I was running from God. It's like I, was, I grew up in, in church. And I'm like, yeah, I'm over here. I love Jesus, right? 12, I hit 12 years old. I think it was that moment in sixth grade really is, is honestly is when I got put back in public school and I just said, wow, there's a whole lot out here. And I, I just ran from God for years. 
And I just ran as far away as I could from where I was. I said, no, I'm getting away. I just, I want this. And in that moment, on April 1st, 2005, I'll never forget this moment. I, I, I turned because I felt an auction. It was an Arco Arena in Sacramento, California. And I'm sitting there and I'm at this church service. My mom made me go and I'm like, I don't want to go to this. It's stupid. So I tried to get like a whole bunch of girls' phone numbers at the event. It was terrible. But in the moment, this guy, uh, Joel Johnson, was preaching. And, and uh, he just said, man, you need to get your life right with Jesus. And he was along those lines. I don't remember. I just remember in my heart, I just turned to God. And I didn't have to run all the way back to where I was as sixth grade innocent Stevie to get back on, on right standing with God. All I had to do was just turn around and he met me right there in my sin. He met me right there in my mistake. He met me right there in my hurt, in my pain. He met me right there with all of his passion. And, and so if you're struggling saying, well, how do I get passionate about this? The book of Hebrews tells us, remind yourself of what he did for you and it will shoot adrenaline through your veins. So if you're struggling with a passion for Jesus and block number one to preach Jesus, if you're struggling that, just think of his passion for you. That there is an empty tomb where the God of the universe once laid. And it's empty because of you. Because he loves you so much that he actually died for you. That will get you excited about the gospel. And get you excited about telling someone else about the gospel. If I could, real quick, every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to celebrate here in just a moment. But before we do, I just want to pray with, with you guys today. If there's anybody in this room or you're watching online and you have yet to give your heart to Jesus, you have yet to say, I'm answering the call of the gospel to give my heart and my life to him. You're in this room today. Maybe you've been running from him like I did. And he's just asking you just to turn around and give him a shot. Give him a chance. Let his passion overwhelm you this morning. You're in this room. You've never made that commitment or you want to recommit, you've been walking away. Either one of those two. If you're here, would you please just do me a favor and raise your hand? Nobody's looking around except for me. Just thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. It's just that I know what to do next. Thank you for that hand too. Thank you. Anybody else? I'll give it three more seconds. Don't be shy. Awesome. Here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna ask us as a family to repeat this prayer after me. Just everyone, please say this. If prayer doesn't save you, I'm just showing you how to pray. Say, Father in heaven, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I've made mistakes. I know that. But today, I give my heart to you. I give my life to you. In this moment, I declare that Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm gonna live my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we give a round of applause to all those? I think I, I think it's all four.